Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As a black woman, whenever I step into a winery or a wine tasting or a tasting event, I scan the room to see who's there. What's the scene? What's the demographic? I don't know why I do this. It's just something I do when I'm in a space that I think or is known to be a predominantly white space. Back when I first started attending wine tastings in like 2006 or so in Washington, D.C., the makeup of the room was vastly different than it is now. And I have to say, I smile a bit to myself because of this. The American wine industry is a lot more colorful now, if I may say so. But there is still more work to be done. So when I went to South Africa and toured around Stellenbosch, I was very intrigued to see what it would be like. I'm thinking it's Africa so black, right? When I stepped off the plane and into the airport, Yep, I was right. There were black people as far as the eye could see. It was great. Then I was whisked away to the wine region of Stellenbosch and was greeted at the front gates. Then saw people working in the vineyards. A black gentleman poured me a glass of wine in the tasting room. Okay, Stellenbosch, this is great. But then as I started to meet the managers and the owners, the colors faded away. We've heard of apartheid, yes? Apartheid, or apartness in the language of Afrikaans, was a system of legislation that upheld segregation against non-white citizens of South Africa. It dictated that non-white South Africans must live in separate areas from whites and use separate public facilities. Does this sound familiar at all? I'm talking about a physical separation between the different racial groups according to their location, public facilities, and social life. Contact between the two groups was limited. In one of the more devastating aspects of apartheid, The government forcibly removed Black South Africans from rural areas designated as white to the homelands and sold their land at low prices to white farmers. From 1961 to 1994, more than 3.5 million people were forcibly removed from their homes and made to live elsewhere. In 1994, South Africa transitioned from the apartheid regime to a democracy, and it was time to try and rebuild in many areas. 
Bitter culture was one of the industries that came under scrutiny to transform to allow economic participation of Black people. This transformation allowed for new Black-owned vineyards and wineries to make significant inroads into the world of viticulture and wine exportation, despite the massive upfront costs associated with the industry. Fast forward to today, and even though Black and colored South Africans make up more than 80% of the country's population, they are still carving out their space in an industry that has excluded them. While they comprise more than half of the wine industry, these workers aren't likely to be offered valued positions or leadership roles, and few have any business ownership stake or land equity. What I really want to drive home is that success in this industry can be accredited to generational land ownership, farming knowledge, expertise, and generational wealth. Black and colored South Africans don't have the same access. And these elements have created significant barriers to entry for the previously disadvantaged Black population of South Africa. I won't go too deep into the politics and after effects of apartheid, but the fact that it was only abolished in 1994, meaning uh, not that long ago, Please understand that it plays a huge role in the makeup of who owns what and who runs what in the wine business there today. I know, I know this is coming from an American or an outsider looking in. And yes, I can see that work is being done and strides are being made. I also saw that there is more to do. During my time in South Africa, I was also able to watch the new documentary, Blind Ambition, which was summarized as four friends who have conquered the odds to become South Africa's top sommeliers after leaving their homeland of Zimbabwe. Driven by relentless optimism, a passion for their craft, and a sense of national pride, they formed Zimbabwe's first national wine tasting team and set their sights on the coveted title of World Wine Tasting Champions. The beginning of the film shows quite a few people speaking on the unlikeliness of a Zimbabwean wine team, especially a blind-tasting wine team. They speak of it as a long shot, slightly unheard of, making me think back to the Jamaican bobsled team of 1988 that inspired the movie Cool Runnings. Here's a clip from the movie Blind Ambition. Then one day, I started picking up these berries I grew up eating, an environment I was so familiar to. It almost took me back home. Of course, wine of origin in true sense is where the wine is from, but I've never been to that place. Why can't wine of origin be where the wine is taking me? This particular clip stood out to me because I'm someone that is also in a foreign place, doing a job that was initially foreign to me. Why can't wine of origin be where the wine is taking me? Thinking back to starting wine in 2006 or so, working with Bordeaux wines as a client, or gaining my French wine scholar certification, 
The idea of ever seeing Bordeaux seemed absolutely foreign to me. So I had to settle for just thinking about what French wine regions must be like through tasting their wines. Fast forward to now in 2022, wine took me to create a life in France and wine took me to South Africa to watch this movie and meet these gentlemen. I met Tanache while in South Africa, was even called his name a couple of times. I mean, Tanache, Tanisha, it's kind of close, right? I asked him for a bit of background on the movie and his thoughts. So Blind Ambition, I think, started in 2017. Me and my Zimbabwean colleagues entered into this South African wine tasting championship selection. And in the top 10 for the national selection, there were four Zimbabweans. And... You know, the organizer, Jan Frisson, who's also part of the movie, said, guys, you've got enough talent to form your team. Why can't you just make a team Zimbabwe, get some funding, and I'll, I'll organize for you at the event. So that's what we did. And what we did was reach out to Chances Robinson. And she set up a crowdfunding and wrote up a beautiful piece for us. So she posted it on uh, Chances Robinson uh, website, and we managed to raise about 8,200 pounds in less than a month. And she had been involved in a documentary before called Red Obsession. And the, some of the directors were also looking for another follow-up of that documentary, which was uh, aired in 2013. And she reached out to this Australian producers and said, you know, there's this amazing story about four Zimbabweans going to compete in France. You might want to, to hear about them. And they reached out to us and said, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to come and follow you through the competition. So first of all, we, you know, we're just ordinary people. So we, we never thought much about it. I didn't think it was going to be true until those guys came all the way from Australia, joined us in September 2017 with all camera gears. And yeah, that was how it started. And when we went uh, shooting through Europe, Germany, France, uh, that's when they said, you know what, but we know we're here for the competition, but how did you guys end up in wine from Zimbabwe, not knowing about wine? We want to do a, a, a follow-up and really, really track your journey from Zimbabwe to South Africa and in the wine industry. So that's, that's how became Blind Ambition. And from then on, I think for me, what was important, especially on my side, to really uh, you know, tell about my story, my journey into the wine industry, into this wine culture. Uh, I wanted to, sh to, to, to highlight the exclusive fitness that the wine culture has been and us getting in, trying to open it up. Uh, I also wanted to highlight, you know, I'm a, I'm a migrant. I left Zimbabwe because of economic situations. And, you know, we've had so much of violence in South Africa, you know, xenophobia against foreign taking our jobs. And, and I think it's, it's a topic that's around the world. I think in America, you've got the Mexicans, you know, you've got refugees all over from the world. And I feel the world is open, must be open up to refugees and not all refugees are bad. And we also can contribute to, to the economy, to the community. And for me, especially, I came here without anything. And now I've managed to create this wine brand that I call Kumusha, which is home, your home, your roots, your origins. And I'm always longing to go back home 
and me exporting the wine to America, to the UK, to Zimbabwe, to Kenya is, is contributing to the economy. And I think also that's what I wanted to highlight in the movie. The movie won uh, Best Documentary at the Tribeca in 2021, Selv at Sydney Film Festival and some of the other festivals as well. And it's currently airing uh, on Emirates flights, on British Airways flights, on Qantas flights. And I've had, you know, in-person screenings and they're always great. And I still get teary watching the movie too. When I first saw the movie as a whole, I thought, wow, I am so glad that these men are being highlighted in this way. Representation, it's seen as a buzzword, but it is so important to see someone that looks like you in a space where you don't usually see someone that looks like you. It's big, it resonates with you. Master of Wine Jancis Robinson even mentions lack of diversity and representation in wine during the movie. The world of wine is very bad at diversity. I mean, it's white faces, wall to wall. And I thought if we can do anything to show what we're missing by being so exclusively white, then that's a good thing. So I started a sort of crowdfunding initiative and publicized it. Thank you so much for your help with the team in bringing this story to light in this documentary. Jancis Robinson. As I continued on through the remainder of my wine experience in Stellenbosch and its surrounding regions, this made me think more about who I was seeing and what their roles were in the wine industry. While I could put this negative slant on what's not being done, I want to highlight what has been done, what is being done, and shine a light on some of the amazing Black people in South Africa that are forging their paths in the wine industry. The whole entire reason I was in South Africa was to take part in the Arani Global Arani Live Stellenbosch Conference. Arani Live is an annual think tank held once each year in a different part of the globe. It gathers top minds to collectively think about the future of fine wine. This year was South Africa in an effort to bring people to this wine region that was hit pretty hard by COVID with the alcohol bans and the lack of exports. During the conference, I stayed at Hartenberg Estates and met their tasting manager, Roderick Moyo. Here's his story. My name is Roderick Moyo and I'm 38 years old. I'm originally from Bulawayo, the second city uh, in Zimbabwe, and uh, I have been living in Cape Town for the past 15 years or so now. Uh, my current role is as the tasting room manager at Hartenberg Wine Estate in the Stellenbosch district of the Cape Winelands. I have worked here for the past four years, uh, and it is indeed my employer who gave me the opportunity uh, to attend the Arena Global event, um, which was held in Stellenbosch in 2022. My claim to fame uh, is that I graduated um, in 2021 with a diploma in wine and spirits, uh, which is the level four and uh, flagship qualification of the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, which is based in London. Um, in so doing, I became the first person of color to attain this certificate uh, in South Africa uh, and only the fourth to do so with a pass uh, with merit. And, and to my knowledge, I remain the only black uh, diploma graduate in the country. 
um, I, I can say that uh, the reason uh, that I decided to go uh, into wine, um, I come from a country uh, with no significant history um, or indeed culture of wine. And my first real awakening to um, this massive industry was when I started working in hospitality uh, back in 2008. I was a waiter in uh, Camps Bay, uh, Cape Town. Uh, but it was really uh, my two and a half year stint at the one and only Cape Town. Um, and that, of course, included the very exciting 2010 World Cup, uh, which is also um, an experience I'll never forget. Um, but indeed, the one and only uh, Cape Town, the one and only hotel Cape Town um, had a massive wine list and a whole lot of international wines, including standards like the, the Penfolds Grange, uh, Chateau Mouton and Lafitte Rothschild on the wine list. Uh, so um, I was encouraged to increase my international uh, wine knowledge um, during that, that period. Um, so it was one and only as well that uh, put me uh, through my first wine qualification which was with the cape wine academy um that's where the the bug i suppose i caught the bug for uh getting certificates um in in wine i enrolled with wset um in 2013 uh, through the international wine education center which is the local provider here in south africa um, and uh, i completed the level two uh, with the pass uh, with distinction uh, back in 2013. That gave me the, the impetus to, to then go on to level three uh, in 2014. And I did indeed pass uh, that course as well with distinction back in uh, 2014. Um, and of course, once you, you do pass uh, such a, a demanding course, then it, it does give you enough confidence to then move on to the, le uh, the next level. I must pause and mention the main driving force uh, behind um, and indeed the financiers in this case um, in this series of studies. Um, in true African parent uh, fashion, my mother and father were the biggest uh, factor in my wine studies. I was I was in my my mid twenties uh, back then, um, and um, I'd gotten into a, a system of working and making very good money, um, and um, one can get lulled into a false sense of uh, financial security um, by by working, uh, but they they did uh, stress and encourage me uh, to to then um, attain certification um, and to have these qualifications, um, and that um, is something that I I certainly have to thank them for um, and I see the wisdom in that um, in my uh, grown-up state um, I could never really have afforded as well the, the level four um, fees uh, because at the time they stood at something like 40,000 rand and back in 2015 that was a very um, significant amount which I certainly uh, could not have afforded so um, I do have to thank my parents for um, being my financiers for for that uh, that course uh, and I did enroll back in 2015 um, and um, having the diploma I certainly uh, the achievement of my lifetime uh, I'm very very grateful for um, all those who have helped me attain it. Um, I've always harbored the ambition of traveling the world and I still believe that a career in wine just as I have uh, could be the the ticket I, I'd love to to see the world I'd love to learn different cultures I'm a person who's always open to new experiences and uh, perhaps um, in the near future um, I can indeed fulfill this this ultimate goal
um, I would one day as well wish to gain a platform from which uh, I can bring pride to the people of my hometown, um, as I did say, Bulawayo, um, and perhaps become uh, in, the, in the far far future, perhaps in, in this case, uh, become the first Debele person to be a master of wine. Um, that is something uh, in the pipeline. Um, and um, I think that would bring immense pride to, to my people. Um, if I can say in my native Ndebele, which means uh, let's go forward. Through Zuri Wine Tours and a meetup with the Roots Fund, I was able to experience wines from Clean Gutenrust in Franschhoek. Established in 1905 and then acquired by Paul Sigukwa and family in 2019, thus reclaiming their land and beginning their winemaking journey, this is the first and only 100% Black-owned wine farm in Franschhoek. In an interview, Paul stated that the biggest barrier to this entry is access to land. And land is very expensive. I hope that us being there addresses two narratives. The first one being that Black people are able to farm and farm successfully and that we are able to participate in any industry. The second narrative and the one that makes it more significant is that I'm a child of a farm laborer. The possibility should be endless no matter who you are and where you are born in South Africa. A child of a mine worker must be able to own mines one day. I'm a child of a farm worker, and I own a farm. That's the narrative I hope our farm can carry through. Rodney Zima is the winemaker there, and I have to give a special shout out to their Syrahs. It is superb. Then there's Magna Carta Wines. The owner in Pumi was an investment banker and started experimenting with winemaking. You know we love a little side hustle around here, but I'll let him tell his own story. Where, I, where do I come from? Okay, so I come from the East Coast, which is a very tropical area um, called KZN. So Durban's the city, but um, I come from more the rural farming side. Um, and how did I get here? <laughs> Through the love of wine, I think. So this region is quite well known now for its wine because the soils are quite rich in clay and in, in schist and all of that. So it's quite good for Shiraz, for Shannon, which is what this area is known for. I studied in Cape Town in UCT in Stellenbosch. I didn't study winemaking at all. I studied maths and then I became an investment banker, but I've always loved wine. So when I was a banker, I was collecting wines and I was drinking a lot of wines. So I met a lot of people in the wine industry and I think it was 2013 where I made my first barrel of wine um, in a garage <laughs> um, with some winemakers. We got some free grapes and barrels and then I made a Pinot Noir and a Shannon and they were a hit. So I made some more wine the following year and we'll get somewhere in between but long story short we're now here making our own wines in our own farm planting our own vines and yeah it's great <laughs> our visit to magna carta was an amazing experience 
I'm talking mountain views, clean air, a sunset, natural wines, and they even had a real bride prepared for us. Think of a bride like a social meeting, a cookout, and it's also a way to prepare the meat. It's barbecued over a fire. Other wineries of note are Seven Sisters Vineyards, Mahuti Wines, Aslina Wines owned by Nsiki Bayela, also known as the first black female winemaker in the country. And Tanache, who you just heard from a little bit earlier, makes wines under Kamusha Wines. I also had the pleasure of meeting Natasha Williams during my dad Bozeman Family Vineyards. She works with Kolia Furry from episode three. She joined Bozeman in 2014, became the lead winemaker in 2019, and has also started her own brand, Lely Van Saren. And let's not forget Andiswa from episode two, making the South African sparkling wine, Cap Classique at Beauchendal. This isn't an exhaustive list at all. These are just some of the people that I met and connected with during my time in South Africa. By no means should we just stop here, put our hands together and say, our work is finished. Nah, that's not it at all. But there is a lot of progress being made and a lot to look forward to in the landscape of Black people all across the wine industry in South Africa. I'm so excited to see what happens next. What new landowners, winemakers, sommeliers, educators, diploma graduates will burst onto the South African wine scene. And of course, I've got my eyes on Team Zimbabwe in the World Wine Tasting Championship. Oh my goodness. That is it, everyone. Season five, Semester Abroad South Africa has reached its final episode. I had such a great time in South Africa and then reliving these moments during these interviews and the creation of each episode this season. I hope you can sense my excitement behind these visits and passion for the development for this industry and every word that I've spoken, every interview that I've done. A huge thank you to everyone that listened to an episode told their friend about this podcast or left a comment through social media or to me personally. I appreciate you all so, 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 so much. Special thank you to those that made this season possible. Pauline Vigard and Irini Global, Elmarie Rabe and Stellenbosch Wine Roots. Every guest from this season, visit Stellenbosch and of course our production team over at Studio Ochenta. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next year for a new season of Wine School Dropout. Follow us over on TikTok and Instagram at Wine School Dropout. And please leave our podcast a review. Thank you for listening to Wine School Dropout. This podcast was produced by Studio Chinta and hosted by me, Tanisha Townsend. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez. Sound design and production by Luis Lopez. Production coordination by Catalina Hoyos. Our theme was done by Gabrielle DeMasso. Music is by Makai Beats. Our art is by Tiffany DeLune. Follow us at Wine School Dropout on Instagram. If you like the show, tell a friend about it and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sit back, relax, and have a glass.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Luis Lopez, sound editor for Wine School Dropout, and I'd like to recommend another podcast that we think you might like, Science in Times of Crisis, a show produced by the International Science Council and hosted by Holly Summers that explores the role of science and scientists in a world characterized by geopolitical instability. The five-episode series explores subjects such as conducting research in outer space in the Arctic, preserving knowledge in a war zone, and navigating the intricate world of science and diplomacy. Listen to Science in Times of Crisis on your favorite podcast app. Thanks. Thanks.